from Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if the technology had worked, there'd be a song playing right now. Some of you might be hearing the whistles of that song. Don't worry. Be happy. Sounds so right. Sounds so simple. Sounds so believable when there's a bit of catchy music to go with it. We, uh, it's probably me and not setting it up right, but that's fine. It seems so believable, doesn't it? On a beautiful summer's... It's full of summer's sunny evening. The start of half term. Don't worry. Don't worry. How livable, though, is... Don't worry. How easy is it to live it out? I'm going to invite you uh, just with the people around you, uh, twos, threes or so, to come up with maybe the top five, your top five things that you find that it's really easy to find yourself worrying about. What are the top five things you find it easy uh, to be worrying about? Top five. There it is. One thing that was on your list, shout it out. Money. Yeah, particularly at the moment. You know, if you go, go try and fill up a car with petrol, you have to say, sort of take out a bank loan and all sorts of things. Yeah, anything else on your top fives of things to worry about? Family, yes. Family, you might be at a stage where you're parenting your parents, 
Or you may be at the stage where your children, there's a lot to worry about with your children. Yeah, anything else in top fives? Friends. Yeah. Anything else to throw in the mix? Back corner being very quiet. Health. Yes. Yeah, it might be your own health. Could be someone you love, their health, how they're doing. Other things. We haven't, we haven't made five yet. Work. Yes. Gosh. Work, stress, and sleepless nights. Yes. Anything else? Anyone wants to throw into the worry mix? Ukraine, yeah, just what's going on in the world? I have a, I have a vague memory of uh, exams, exams being a worry and results and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, future. future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a kind of health of the planet. So uh, climate change, environment, pick a word. Nothing else. Anyone wants to throw in? Relationships. Yeah, yeah. We sang earlier uh, about God uh, refreshing us. I don't know how you feel with that on the list. Uh, probably unrefreshed. If you, if you didn't come to uh, things you're worried about, maybe you've suddenly got a load of things to worry about. Thank you very much, Lizzie. Uh, we'll keep that up there for uh, the next uh, little while. Um, plenty of things to, to, to worry about. Uh, and, yeah, we don't have to spend long, do we, with one another to find things that we're, we're worrying about. Uh, for me... Just to turn up and simply say, don't worry. It's like uh, me having a rubber and coming up to this list and trying to rub it out. Uh, it does absolutely nothing. Uh, the best it will achieve is smudging it a bit or ripping the paper and just making things worse. Imagine that at maybe at the end of this service, um, I ask you how you're doing and you kind of open up and you share something that is really worrying you at the moment. A kind of real burden that you've, you've arrived this evening carrying and, and feeling like this is a safe conversation to open up in. And I kind of listen to you for a bit and then I just turn around and just go, don't worry. How are you going to feel? How are you feeling? I mean, it's as if I'm dismissing your worry as if it can just go away like that. Or that I'm just trying to distract you from the thing you're worried about because, oh, it just, it's not that important. I'm pretty confident, knowing most of you in the room quite well, is you'd be very polite to me. You'd probably try and get out of the conversation very quickly, doing your very best not to be really annoyed with me or wanting to smack me in the face. Why on earth then, in Luke chapter 12, verse 22, can Jesus turn round and say to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. How can Jesus do that? Do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Or again, end of verse 29, it's there. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Is Jesus just dismissing our worries? These things here, our worries about money and family and relationships, friends, health, work, what's going on in the world and climate change, exams, the future. Is he just, is he just dismissing it? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Is, is Jesus somehow having a go at those who struggle with worry or those who struggle with anxiety? Or is Jesus just trying to say, well, oh, these things don't really matter. So I'm going to distract you by kind of going, oh, look over there's a bird. Oh, look over there's a flower. Is that what Jesus is doing? 
Well, I don't think that's the kind of Jesus we've encountered so far in these, these 12 chapters of Luke's gospel. I don't think it's the Jesus we meet in Luke chapter 12. Yes, Jesus says, don't worry, but I don't think he's dismissing you. I don't think he's trying to distract you. Look how he describes the disciples in verse 32. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. I guess we could hear that as kind of slightly patronizing. Or we could hear it as the voice of, of the good shepherd who is gentle, who cares, who protects, who leads and feeds and lays down his life. So Jesus isn't dismissing our worries. He's not distracting from his wor- our worries. I think Jesus in these verses is doing two things. The first one is to show that we have a loving heavenly father and we can trust in his provision. And the second thing is that how we've, we've been given the kingdom so we can seek out God's priorities. So the first one is we have a loving heavenly father so trust in his provision. But Jesus here isn't just starting a conversation from nothing about worry. Uh, he picks up straight off from what we were looking at last Sunday. Uh, the, the need to watch out for living for the wealth of this world, world, the temptation to store up stuff for ourselves, which first of all isn't ours in the first place, and second of all, we can't ultimately hold on to. And so Jesus talks, uh, tells the story, doesn't he, of the, the rich farmer who has an abundance of harvest and goes, oh, how am I going to keep this all? And so he builds bigger barns, and it keeps happening. He builds bigger barns and bigger barns and bigger barns, and eventually his life is taken from him, and God says, you fool. You fool. And perhaps something in that story that Jesus has told sparks worry amongst his disciples. If Jesus is saying, don't store up stuff for yourself, what about when it comes to the essentials of life? When it comes to food? When it comes to clothing? Or perhaps we're beginning to feel the pinch of these things with the cost of living crisis that's going on. But it's nothing, is it? Compared to what some people in the world are experiencing, and it's probably nothing compared to what life was like for Jesus' disciples 2,000 years ago. So if we were to go somewhere like Romans chapter 8 and hear what Paul says, those famous words when he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He then lists a, a kind of uh, a bullet point load of real things that Christians might face. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Do you hear in the list? Famine and nakedness were realities that God's people might face. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus is not dismissing the things that his disciples are worried about. Jesus knows the realities of life as we live it. And so if you're here this evening and you are somebody who does struggle with worry, and maybe somebody who struggles with anxiety, uh, and it's a kind of a, a, a real health challenge for you. Jesus isn't dismissing the struggle and the hardship you're going through. He thinks you're valuable, and he cares for you. He knows what you need. What Jesus is doing in these verses is saying that food and clothes it might seem important. But they're only part of life, they're not the heart of life. So we read on verse 23. Jesus says, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. And for the Christian, 
It's a part of life. Food and clothing is a part of life we can trust God's provision for because he is our loving heavenly father. So Jesus says, look at the birds. Consider the ravens. And what do we see? Maybe we see something like... Oh, gone too far. Come on. It's not there. I had, a, I had a video of a seagull stealing some crisps. It's brilliant. It's, it's, what's worrying is when you YouTube it, there's a worrying number of seagulls who rob co-op stores for crisps. Doritos seem to be their favorite. There we go. Um, Jesus says, look at the birds. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Now, that's not an encouragement to take after the seagulls and start pinching packs of Doritos from the co-op. But it's a reassurance of God's provision because he's our loving Heavenly Father. It says, it goes on, verse 27, Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? I don't know, how, how many of you have done, uh, done no mow May? That's really hard to say, no mow May. The encouragement in the month of May not to mow your lawns, to let the wild flowers grow. And then I don't know if you've paid attention to what's growing. It's amazing what can grow in a month. And it's stunning. You can kind of stop and pay attention to it. It's great. I'm really proud in our garden. That we've got a sort of bank and um, didn't really have any flowers in before. Now it's got some flowers in. I'm not entirely sure what they all are. I have an app on my phone to kind of take a picture of the, photo, uh, of the, of the flower so it tells me what it is. Um, and I'm, I'm quite proud of myself that I've planted these things and I've, I've cultivated them, but ultimately, they have just grown. And when you look at them flowering, they are beautiful. How much more, Jesus says, that will God clothe us? We get the idea, don't we? Jesus says, look at the birds, you're more valuable than them. Look at the flowers and the grass, you're more important than them. If God provides for them, how much more will he for you? Someone who is created in his image. Someone Jesus has laid down his life for. So do we sit back, kick our feet up, and wait for things to land in our lap? Is this an invitation to kind of carefree and careless living? I don't think Jesus is saying that we don't do anything. I don't think Jesus is saying we don't, uh, we're not, that doesn't make sense. Uh, it doesn't mean we will always have everything we want or even think we need. It doesn't mean we don't have to think about what we want to eat or what we want to wear. It means we don't set our hearts on it. We don't run after those things. Why? Because we have a loving heavenly father. We don't have to set our hearts on these things, run after these things, because they are part of life. They're not the heart of life. You and I have a loving heavenly father who will provide, who we can trust even when money feels tight. Even when it feels like things can't stretch any further, things can't last any longer. How can we be sure? Because our, lovingly, our loving heavenly father, verse 32, has been pleased to give us the kingdom. He's been pleased to place us under his good and loving rule. We have a loving heavenly father. You have a loving heavenly father. Trust in his provision. 
And what I think this does is it begins to diffuse, it begins to squash our worries over things like this. But if you're anything like me, the moment something stops being a worry, another worry pops along and does this. It's true, isn't it? No, if that's your experience, it's definitely mine. It's like the space in a car park in, in Thermiston Retail Park on a Saturday morning. You drive out of it and there's about 10 cars trying to get in there. That's what, what worry does. Finds the gap and it goes for it. Jesus knows us so well. He knows us better than ourselves. And if you like, he gives us a worry replacement. Something to set our hearts on. Something to run after. Something to seek. The kingdom. We have a loving Heavenly Father. We can trust in His provision. We have been given the kingdom so we can seek God's priorities. We're given the kingdom. And Jesus, God, has opened up His kingdom and He has given it to us. The ruling power of God at work in our lives, at putting things right. And God has generously included us and given it to us, even though we don't deserve it. He's not just given us a place on the edge. He's brought us right into the center of things because we are joined to His Son, Jesus. We get life with God. Life with God is our heavenly Father who provides for us. So we're to seek after the kingdom in verse 31. Notice what it says in verse 32. Uh, we're told that the kingdom is being given to us. So we're to set our hearts, we're to seek after something we've already been given. How does that, how does that work? That doesn't quite make sense, does it? Well, I want you to, to take you back a couple of months. So I had a big clear out. And uh, when we were clearing out, we found, it's all kind of... Um, pottery jar full of loose leaf tea and I had a vague memory my mum had given this to me about eight years ago as a gift I really hope my mum's not going to listen to this uh, as a gift and it you know wasn't really my cup of tea hey hey too easy and it was given to me and I didn't set my heart on it did I I wasn't there every morning excited and delighted to be scooping out this loose leaf tea into one of those things and making my t you know, I was just reaching for the tea bag in the morning and it disappeared and I forgot about it. So I had this gift, but I, I wasn't seeking after it. I wasn't setting my heart on it. I said, well, Jesus, Jesus is saying that God has given us a kingdom. Set your heart on it. Be eager and excited for living out God's priorities. He gives us an example, verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. So, when we get home, what we all need to do is hit Facebook Marketplace, Gumtree and eBay and put everything we've got for sale. Oh, it's fun, isn't it? I'm not sure that's quite it. Might not be a bad thing for us to do with some of what we've got. Might not be a bad call, because I suspect all of us have got more stuff than any of us actually need. But I'm not sure Jesus is saying that Christians shouldn't have a penny to their name. But he's definitely saying that people around us, the people around us are far more important than the possessions that we have. That's a kingdom priority, people over possessions. Or maybe we could take one of Jesus' other illustrations in these verses, clothing. When you get home, take a look at what's in your wardrobe. And I suspect there might be a number of us here who if we set our hearts 
less on the things in our wardrobe and more on the kind of clothing of the characteristics God wants us to live out, we'd see some amazing things. Doesn't mean clothes don't matter. I'm very grateful to you all for wearing clothes this evening. But we need to set our hearts on clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Or or take food. Imagine if we paid as much attention to what we, you know, to to the the daily food of God's word that He feeds us as we do to the food that we're going to eat in the coming week. The invitation of Jesus here is these things, these things matter. They're part of life, but they're not the heart of life. The heart of life is walking with Jesus, is being part of the kingdom of God, letting God's priorities be our priorities because they will shape all of these things. Make God's priorities your treasure because when you do that, your heart will follow. That's Jesus' point at the end. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We think we put our heart in something and we make it important. Jesus says, no, you make, what, make something important, your heart follows. And the way we do that is to remember that today is always shaped by another day to come. When Jesus returns, it's probably no wonder why Jesus goes on uh, next week, as we will see, to then talk about being ready, dressed for service for Jesus' return. We have a loving heavenly father. We can trust his provision. We've been given the kingdom so we can live God's priorities. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that as we, uh, as we sit here tonight, you can see right into our hearts. You know those, those things those, that are worries for us those places we're struggling, those, those burdens it feels like we're carrying. And I pray we would hear Jesus' words to not worry rightly. Would it not be that Jesus is dismissing us, distracting us, but instead leading us to you, our loving heavenly Father who provides. And in doing so, would we know that you have generously given us the kingdom, And so would you help us to set our hearts on, to run after the things that matter to you, the priorities of yours, whether it's uh, to do with our character, whether it's to do with listening to your voice, whether it's to do with our possessions. Lord, would you do that wonderful work in our hearts. Release us from our worries. Help us to set our hearts on your kingdom. Amen.